All right, prayer. All earthly things with earth will fade away, but prayer grasps eternity. But I'm convinced of this, God does not hear prayer. He hears desperate prayer. Prayer is not a position, whether you need. Prayer is not a position, it's a disposition. You get to the place where you'd rather sweat, you'd rather weep in his presence than laugh in anybody else's presence. You'd rather God whisper a secret into your heart that breaks you. And somebody give you the prizes that all the world covets. Prayer is almost the greatest human privilege that we have. the greatest human privilege that we have. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Going to be one of those days, y'all. So uh, I'm looking for something. I don't see it up here. We, uh, <laughs> you, you, if you don't know me, uh, I'm a control freak. And I'm not the only one in the room. <laughs> not going to call any names, but they're, you know who you are. And sometimes, I, I, you know, we, we, try to, we try to do what we do here with a, an incredible spirit of excellence. And so we plan, and, and, and it's all on a sheet of paper, that this is supposed to happen then, and this is supposed to happen now, and this is supposed to happen after that. And, and we work real hard at that. But I, I'm so thankful. <laughs> I'm just so thankful that we can stop all that and say, listen, if you, you need somebody to hold up your arms, you come down here and pray. I'm so thankful that we're at that kind of church this morning. So Jeremiah 33.3 says, call to me and I will answer you. Maybe the greatest promise in the whole Bible. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and hidden things that you've not known. So we've been in this series about grasping the heart of God. And, and, and that almost sounds impossible. How can, how can you grasp the heart of the creator of the universe and the God of all gods and the creator of all that we know and see and touch I'm just going to tell you that it's possible because he said, call to me and I will answer you. So we've been talking about that for several weeks. We've been, week one, we, we talked about this model that Jesus gives us to pray. We talked about the prayer of adoration, the prayer of repentance, prayer of petition, the prayer of surrender. Mikey came back the next week and talked about the prayer of confidence. Aren't you glad that you don't have to wonder if God heard your prayer? Last week, we talked about an urgent prayer, that prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. And today, we're going to finish this series, but I have good news for you. Anybody remember when you used to watch movies on DVD? Uh, yeah, you know, we don't watch DVDs anymore, but you know, there, there was one of my favorite parts of watching a movie on a DVD was the bonus content. 
right? I'm going to give you some bonus content Wednesday night. So if this, if this series has, has ministered to you, we're going to give you some bonus content. We're going to stop what we were doing on Wednesday night, and we're going to give you some bonus content. It's a director's cut. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Wednesday night. So today, what I want to do is I want to share with you another model that Jesus gave us. And um, it's, in, in my mind, Jesus was the greatest teacher the world's ever seen. And in just one phrase, he gives us seven principles of prayer. One phrase, he gives us seven foundational truths about how you and I are supposed to pray. And so I, I want you to, and we, we use this phrase a lot, I want you to kind of lean in today. I know it's raining. You don't want to go outside anyway. So let's just lean in and, and hear what God has to say for us. Uh, Matthew 6 and 6. Here we go. I'm, I'm going to read you this passage, and then we're going to break it down to seven different, different truths. Jesus said these words in Matthew 6, verse 6. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Lord, your, your presence has been so evident already in this And it's not that... You're more present sometimes than you are others. You are omnipresent. You're always here. But God, thank you that you have tuned the antennas of our soul today to recognize your presence, and we do today. And so, God, in my prayer today, and for all of us, for me, for them, is that you would teach us to pray. Teach us to grasp your heart. Teach us to know you. God, we know we are loved by you, but we want to know you. Thank you for the privilege, the greatest human privilege to pray. Everybody said. So here's what Jesus said. Okay, we're going to break it down a little bit at a time. You ready? Nugget after nugget after nugget. The first thing he said, but when you pray. Do you notice he didn't say if you pray? He said when you pray. So Here's the first little truth that we're going to look at today. Prayer for the follower of Christ is not optional. He said, when you pray. There are three things that Jesus assumed his followers would do. He assumed they would give, he assumed they would fast, and he assumed that they would pray. When you give, when you fast, and when you pray. So I'm going to share this with you, and it may sound judgmental, and it may sound harsh, but it just happens to be the truth. You are going to pray. This really depends on what God has to do to get your attention. You're going to pray. And listen, I don't want to paint the picture that God is some vindictive God and says, either listen to me or I'm going to throw all this bad stuff at you. I do want you to know that God loves you enough to draw you into your presence. And if he has to allow some things to come into your life that feel uncomfortable, he loves you enough to let that happen. You're going to pray. Our nation is going to pray. Just unfortunately, bad stuff has to happen for us to turn to God. And I, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to ignore God until my my. I started to say my child, my child are, my children are pretty grown, right? 
to my grandchild's got a fever at 3 o'clock in the morning. I don't want to wait to pray to that. Donna was talking about how in those times of trouble, we, we have this incredible ability to call on the name of the Lord in times of difficulty. I'm going to tell you that we should not wait till then. Man, I, I want to be that guy that calls on the name of the Lord in the good times. Because we're going to pray. And it's not... It's not optional. I, I don't know. Now, now, listen, I don't want to paint the picture that I've got this perfect prayer life because God's still molding me and shaping me and, and working me out on the potter's wheel, okay? I hope I'm not the only one in the room that's... Okay, there's me and Lori. No, God's still working on that. But here, here's what I've learned is that it's, I don't have to pray. I get to pray. I, I have an opportunity to call on the God of the universe and hang out with him and spend time with him and commune with him because he happens to be my father. So prayer for the life of the, in the life of the believer is not optional. Then they, he said something very powerful. He, he said, when you pray, go away. Now, he wasn't saying get out of here. He was telling you to have a place. You might want to write that down. Do you have a place where you can pray? Do you have a spot where you can pray? Now, now listen, uh, one of the most powerful Christian movies in a long time was called War Room, and this lady had a little closet. And I hope, man, if you've got one of those, come on, that's great. Maybe you don't have a, a, a closet in your house that you can do nothing but, hey, but you've got a spot somewhere. I got, I got a couple in my house. I've got a, I, the edge of my couch where I can see out the window. I love to pray in that spot right there. I got a chair down in my office downstairs where I can't see outside because sometimes I'm a little ADD, right? And, and if I'm praying and looking out the window, well, there's a squirrel. You know, that's, that's the thing. So downstairs, for years and years and years, you know where my place was? It was the front of, an, of a Ford Ranger. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not telling you that you have to have this reserved spot. I am telling you that it's, it's cool to have a spot where you can go and, and know that that's, the, that's your place of prayer. But I think it's more than geography, y'all. I think sometimes it's not just a, a geographical place. I think it's a mental place. See, I, I think sometimes we, we, we want to go to God in prayer, but we got so much clutter, right? Is that just me? You know, you, you, got, you got all the events of the day and all the stuff going on tomorrow and all the things going on in your family and all the stuff that's happening. And, and, and we, uh, there's this pinball machine in our brain with stuff just bouncing around. And, and I wonder if we would take the time to just get in that mental space before we try to commune with the God of the universe. Just clear our mind. Yeah, have a place. Have a place that you can go and sit or stand or kneel, but have a mental space where you can just give God your undivided attention. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, that's hard for Dwayne. It's hard. I'm, I'm that guy, and, and I've talked to some of y'all, and I know I'm not the only one. Sometimes I just have a hard time shutting my brain off because I just it just firing I'm going to challenge you. Go away. Get, get aside. 
Man, I, that's why I used to love to pray in my truck. Do you know why? I could turn my phones off. I could turn the stereo off. Yeah, we used to call it stereo. <laughs> Child of the 80s, come on. Somebody. I can, and I can just go away. <laughs> but he, he, he didn't stop there, y'all. He, he said, wouldn't you pray, go away. But he said, go away by yourself. By yourself. I want you to stop and, and just listen to what the creator of the universe is asking you to do. He's asking you to come away alone, just you and him alone. You know what happens in aloneness? Aloneness breeds intimacy. <laughs> for the most part, for the most part, y'all don't get too uncomfortable with this analogy I'm fixing to give you. For the most part, conception doesn't take place in public. right? What if, what if God has something he wants to birth in you, a seed of destiny he wants to plant in your soul, but he can't get you alone long enough to do it? Intimacy takes, intimacy takes place when you're alone. And see, that's why I think that's the process. We've got to get all the clutter out of our head and get alone with God by yourself. Come away by yourself. What an invitation. Think, of, think about that celebrity that you just are enamored with. Right? Think about that guy, that movie star, that athlete. I got a little man crush on Peyton Manning. Always have. Always have had a little man crush on Peyton Manning. What would happen if I got a phone call and I knew it popped up on the caller ID, Peyton Manning? Oh, I'm answering that one. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. What up, Peyton? He said, uh, man, I, would, would you like to come to lunch with me, just me and you? <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Tell me when, tell me where. What an invitation. The God of the universe. Will you come away, just me and you? Because I got something that can only happen when we are intimate. I got something I want to birth in you that can only happen when we're intimate. I got something I want to plant in you, but it can only happen when we're intimate. I got places I want to take you. I got things I want to accomplish in you. I got purpose and passion and people for you, but it can only happen when we're away by ourselves. Are we going to throw? I'm just a little too busy. No. And he doesn't stop. He said, I want you to pray. And when you pray, I want you to go away. I want you to go away by yourself. And then he said, I want you to shut the door. And here's what I'm going I'm to, if, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Shut the door means to find a way to disconnect. God's really dealing with me about that because
thing I do in the morning. I'd like to tell you that the first thing I do in the morning is absolutely just have 20, you know, an hour and a half communion with the Lord. You know, the first thing I do in the morning is I take my phone off the charger. But I'm not alone. I bet I'm not the only one that spends too much time staring at that thing. I bet I'm not the only one that lets that lead me around like a puppet on a string sometimes. God convicted me of that this past week. I was listening. I, I have some pastors that I, that I listen to that invest into me. And here's what he said. He said, I don't touch, I don't take my phone off the charger until I've opened a book, a Bible, a real Bible. I don't take my phone off the charger because the only thing I can do with that Bible is read it. I can't answer email. I can't answer a text message. I can't play a golf clash. Yeah, all I can do is read it. So I, I bought a brand new, leather-bound, day-to-day Bible. And, and I'm not going to touch my phone. Y'all okay with me being a little transparent like this? I'm not going to touch my phone until I open that book in the mornings. Because I, I got to disconnect. That's what he's calling us to do is, is to disconnect. Now, uh, that, if that means remove the distractions, then that's what we need to do. Don and I were on a cruise ship, and, and this really doesn't have any, you know, bearing on the sermon. I just like to talk about being on a cruise ship. <laughs> it was awesome. It was an incredible week. Now, now listen, it, 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 I had, I'm 55. It's the first time we'd been on one, and uh, I was blown away because, you know, you know what they had on the cruise ship? A casino. There was a casino on the cruise ship. And then we walked through there, and, and, and there was six different restaurants six, and an ice cream machine. <laughs> There's three pools. On this boat, there was a water slide and a, and a wave thing, which my wife refused to let me get on. <laughs> I wanted to get on it. Nope. And I said, well, I need you to come so you can take the picture so we can put it on the big screen. Nope, not gonna, I'm not going to do that. You're gonna, you'll, I don't want to watch you break your arm. Oh, so much places to shop, like a mall, right? It was like incredible. So much to do, so much to see. And not to mention 4,000 people on this boat. Isn't that crazy? You know what the, mo- the best part of that whole deal was? Don and I could walk into the stateroom and close the door. And it's just me and her. They had the most incredible breakfast buffet you've ever seen. Imagine a breakfast food, and they had it. From, uh, breakfast food from every nation. It was incredible. You know the best breakfast we had the whole time we were there? It's when we ordered room service, and they brought us a little continental breakfast, and we sat out on our balcony, just her and I. Shut the door. Just her and I. Listen, I'm not going to tell you that some of the distractions of this world aren't, aren't fun and aren't good and aren't pleasant, but there comes a point where if intimacy is going to take place, you've got to shut the door. You've got to step away from those distractions. And like sometimes our distractions are our jobs. And, and listen, it honors God when we work for a living, when we work hard for a living. It honors God when we do that. But, 
Don't we need a moment where we can shut the door? Don't we need a moment when we can step away from all the responsibilities that we have just for a moment when all of the stuff that bounces around on our head day after day after day after day, just step away, shut the door. If that's not something that you do on a regular basis, can I tell you, if, if you'll do it, the, on day one, it'll feel awkward. I don't, even, I don't even know what to say. Day 30, it'll be the best part of your day. We have to find a way to turn off the noise. And, and I'm not sure if it's, that it's not more challenging today than it's ever been. I mean, I, I look at my own life, and I, I, I carry this everywhere I go, and I carry my phone everywhere I go. And except for Sundays, there's a watch that's connected to all that that goes with me everywhere I go. And, and while that's efficient, and while it's helpful, I wonder if we haven't created an environment where we just find it impossible to turn off the noise. No wonder we can't turn our brains off. And what a challenge to just come away by ourselves. And shut the door. And then he said, he said, shut the door and pray. He didn't just say pray. He said, pray to your father. And that, t- that challenges me to recognize the relationship. I told you last week that... There's, there's T-shirts and there's bumper stickers that say there's power in prayer, and I'm going to tell you it's true. Our Muslim friends pray five times a day to a dead God. It's not power in prayer. There's power in praying to Jehovah God. There's power in praying to the God of the universe, and we must recognize, see, you, you, you aren't praying to some mystical, unknowable entity, some lifeless, dead deity. You're praying to a God who is very much alive and very much involved in who you are and who he's calling you to become. You're praying to a God who is not only the creator of the universe, not only the God who put all of this in motion, you're praying to a God who counts you as his child. Oh. Communion with the Creator, King of the universe. Recognize that. I start almost every prayer with Father. Because He's, yes, He's God, and that would be an appropriate way to start the prayer, God. But, but for me, I want to recognize that relationship and call Him by my, my favorite name for Him, Father. What happens in, an heavenly, in a heavenly realm when we say, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus? Oh, what a privilege. <laughs> Come away by yourself. Shut the door. Pray to your Father. And then listen. He said, your Father, uh-oh, who sees everything. There are times in my life when that that thought that God knows and sees everything brought me great joy. 
And there have been times when that thought has brought me tremendous terror. Right? Your father who sees everything. Guess what? We can fool each other, can't we? I can, I can make you think all is well when I'm, I'm battling, struggling, fighting hell on earth. I can flash a smile and make you think all is well. And you can do the same with me. But our Father sees everything. So you know what that means? We should just take off the mask. He knows it anyway. If you're struggling, if there's sin in your life, why don't we try to play games with God? He knows it. <laughs> he knows it. And you know what? The, the, the older I get, the less interested I am in playing games with anybody else either. You know, I, I'm, I'm just, some of y'all make fun, not make fun, y'all make fun of me, but you poke at me a little bit because I use that word transparent so much. But I, I, what do we gain by trying to hide behind some facade that's just fake and false? What do we gain by that? What do we gain by trying to hide behind some wall of perfection that we want people to think that we walk in stop I, I got a group of pastors that i hang out with actually i got a couple of groups of pastors that i hang out with you know what the most liberating thing is it's not when when we give each other advice about how to manage our our congregations or or our finances it's it's when we get together and realize you know what we're just people and we just all struggle and we got the same stuff that everybody else has Let's take off the mask. Of course, you should be able to take it off with your father. Man, there's nothing more liberating than in a, in a moment of intimate connection with your father to just spill it. And just, God, here I am. Here's what I'm walking through. Here's what I've done. And there's something so cleansing about just spilling it. Because you're not, just, you're not just talking to a wall, right? You're not just talking to uh, an inanimate, unmovable statue or idol. You're talking to a God who can, in fact, do something about your circumstance. So you can, you can walk in here and, and you can make everybody think your marriage is just great. But, but it's not. Isn't it cool? that you can go, God, we're in trouble. And, we, and if you don't fix it, I don't know what's going to happen. You, you know what I, I noticed? Nobody posts pictures of their kids when they're having a fit. <laughs> it's always they're, you know, shiny and, oh, straight A's. <laughs> Hashtag my kid's better than your kid. Can we stop? And especially stop with your heavenly father. Because here's what he said. He said, if you'll go away by yourself and shut the door, pray to your father, and your father who sees everything, 
Jesus said, we'll reward you. Write this down. Intimate communion with God, two things, is a privilege that reaps a reward. <laughs> I, I read an article as, as we're putting this message series together, and it said that the, one of the reasons that people have a hard time praying is they don't know what to say. And I, I guess I can get behind it because I've been there. Um, you know, I, I've been in those, like, two-hour-long prayer meetings. And you're like, all right, well, that was ten minutes. <laughs> right? I've been there. I understand that. So I was asking the Lord, Lord, how, how can we wrap up this series? Not counting the bonus content that you're going to get Wednesday night. Okay, how can, we, how can we wrap up this series? And I thought... Maybe we could, we could take a few minutes and I could say, here's what you need to pray for. So I'm going to give you a list. I'm going to give you three things that you could pray for every time you pray. And if you'll pray for these three things, you'll, you'll never have to wonder what you need to pray for. Now listen, this is not an exhaustive list. Okay, this is not a, a comprehensive list of things you need to pray for. I, I'm just going to tell you, these are, these are three things that I'm going to tell you as your pastor. Maybe, maybe this is your first time here, but today, for the next 18 minutes, I'm your pastor, okay? And, and I'm going to tell you that these are some things that, that I believe you and I need to pray for. And, and, now, y'all know me. I cut up and I kid. I'm as serious as I've ever been about these three things. I believe the three things I'm going to talk to you about today are matters of eternity. So the first thing here that we're going to talk about when you pray is the next generation. Who's the next generation? Anybody younger than you? Maybe you're here and, and your kids are grown and gone. And you're like, okay, well, I need to go on to number two. I need to go on to the next thing on your list. Please, please don't have that attitude because this generation's in trouble. In the master's program, I'm, in, I'm, I'm learning about eight-year-olds that are dealing with PTSD. Ten-year-olds that are struggling with anxiety and depression that you and I can't imagine. You need to pray for the next generation. You need to pray for the leaders of your church that work with the next generation. Have you prayed for the children of our church this week? Have you prayed for our children's leaders this week? See, if you haven't, don't tell me you don't have anything to pray for. In fact, here, do this. Who, who's in kids' church across the way? Cindy today? I need five people that will go to Cindy today and say, I'm praying for you. Who'll do that? Five people. There's five. I'm, I'm praying for you. You need to find these children's workers that are back there wiping fannies while you're in here enjoying the service. Well, there's not my kids. I don't care. You need to be praying for them. What about our middle school, high school students? You're, I don't want you to be offended what I'm getting ready to tell you. But I was sad when God told me I wasn't going to be a youth pastor anymore. I loved middle school and high school students. Still do. 
And we've been in a, in a battle for the last almost year for a new youth pastor. And it's coming. That's all I'm going to say. It's coming. But listen to me. I, and I, I need you to get ready. I need you to get ready and get on board with what we want to do to help this next generation. Because they're in trouble. When I was a youth pastor, you know what was a big deal? Finding somebody smoking a cigarette or making out in the church parking lot. That was the big deal. People that work in youth ministry right now would long for those days. I saw a, uh, a survey. I'm going to share just a little bit of it with you. And here's how the survey was framed. It was to middle school and high school students. And they said, complete, finish this sentence. I wish my parents knew. So I'm just going to give you a snippet. I wish my parents knew how desperately I want to please them. I wish my parents knew how much I love them, even though I don't always say it. I wish my parents knew how much I treasure their advice, even when I act like I couldn't care less. I wish my dad knew how much I loved holding his hand, even though I act embarrassed. I wish my parents knew when they wouldn't let me date a guy, I acted mad but was really thankful they were fighting for me. Grab this one. I wish my parents knew instead of threaten, threatening to punish me, I needed them to do it. I wish my parents knew when I see them fight, it messes me up. I wish my parents knew that their words impact me more than anyone else's. Things they don't remember saying have changed my life. I wish my parents knew how I want to be open with them about my mistakes. I wish my parents knew the evils I face every day. I wish my parents knew the fear I hide behind my rebellion. I wish my parents knew how hard it is to stay pure. I read that, and I heard that survey, and I heard the cry of a generation that's saying, I need some adults to care and pray and give a rip. And that's going to be us. So you want something to pray for? You pray for the next generation. Excuse me. You pray for the next generation. You pray for anointed, passionate youth leaders across the globe and in our community, but right here. So that's the first thing. Pray for the next generation. Number two, pray for the church. Pray for the church. 
listen, I'm not, y'all know me, I'm not one of these conspiracy theorists that believe, you know, whatever. But here's what I do believe. I believe that COVID was perhaps the greatest attempt by the enemy to kill the church. He tried to shut the doors, didn't he? And what'd we do? Millions of sermons started going out online. You need to pray for the church. And can I say this? And, and you know, I, I was back in my office right when service started, and I know that there's folks watching online, and I love you. You need to come back to church. I'm going to tell you that the most significant thing that might happen may be outside of that camera shot that happens this morning. It may be the hug that you get back there. It may be the growth group that some of you intended this morning at, at 10 o'clock. It may be just a connection you make with another human being. Sometimes the most significant things that happen happen in the context of community, and you don't get that on your couch. I feel so much better just saying that. And I don't want you to just pray for the church. I want you to pray for your church. You need to pray for your leadership. You need to pray for individual ministries. Where's Clint? Clint's still in the room. I'm going to ask you a question, Clint. All right. I, I know this is awkward, but just work with me. We, we were up here and we were celebrating new life. I'm going to ask Clint a couple questions. Ever felt like quitting? All right. I, I thought you might. Ever, ever lock the doors on Tuesday nights where maybe not a lot of folks come up and you ask yourself, well, why are we really doing this? Ever, that ever happen? Yes. Yeah. Ministry is hard and it's work. And when you knock on hell's door, sometimes you get a battle. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray for these ministries. Ministries like Thrive. That we, we want to help our community. And sometimes we get, you know, you get the door slammed in your face often enough, sooner or later your nose starts to hurt. Right? Amber, you ever felt like quitting? Of course you have. When you knock on hell's door, you get a battle. And do you know what these ministry leaders, where's is Bonnie in the room? There's Bonnie back there. There's Bonnie. Hey, Bonnie. Bonnie leads our, I'm, can I, I'm still going to call them Snowcaps. I know they changed their name, but to me, they'll always be Snowcaps. Bonnie, you, you think, well, you know what? Those senior adults don't have anything to, to be stressed over. Are you kidding me? Of course they do. Of course they do. It, and I don't have to ask Bonnie if she's ever felt like quitting. I know she has. You know what these folks need? My, my beautiful, loving, awesome wife. Ask her who... And I, maybe I'm biased, the most anointed worship leader that I've ever seen in my life. I don't have to ask her if she's thought about quitting. We both have had to talk each other off a ledge a time or two. You know what these ministries leaders need to know? They need to know that there's a church that loves them and are holding their arms up and are talking to God on their behalf day after day after day after day. Is that you? Are, are you that church that's going to that's gonna recognize that these folks are knocking on hell's door and say, I'm going to hold their arms up? Is that you? Is that you? Yes. All right. So you're going to... You're going to pray for the next generation. You're going to pray for the church. And listen, I know it's, I know it's time, but... Please hear my heart. Pray for the next generation. Pray for the church. And please help me pray for those 
who are far from God. <laughs> Have you watched the news today? Have you watched the news this week? This world's fixing to get turned upside down, y'all. And I, listen, I'm not, I'm not that guy that, that finds calamity behind every corner, but all you have to do is turn on the television. I'm going to read this passage of Scripture. And, and, and we're done. I, I, I know it's the line's getting long at the Mexican restaurant. So. <laughs> Paul said these words to young Timothy, and I'm going to I'm going to replace part of it with, I'm just going to replace part of it. It'll be obvious what part I'm going to replace. You should know this, Timothy, that in 2022, there'll be very difficult times. In 2022, people will love only themselves and their money. In 2022, people will be boastful and proud. They'll scoff at God. They'll be disobedient to their parents. In 2022, people will be ungrateful. In 2022, people will consider nothing sacred. They'll be unloving and unforgiving. And in 2022, people will slander others and have no self-control. In 2022, people will be cruel and hate what is good. They'll betray their friends. And in 2022, people will be reckless. They'll be puffed up with pride. And in 2022, people will love pleasure rather than love God. In 2022, people will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Did I say anything that was wrong? How many know that he didn't say in 2022, did he? He said in the last days. I'm going to tell you that if we're going to win the world, if we're going to win our community, if you're going to win your family, you better pray. Today, <laughs> Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I'm the Messiah and will deceive many. Listen, you will hear of wars and rumors of war, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Anybody freaking out? Jesus said, calm down. <laughs> Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things, please get this, are the beginnings of birth pains. I've never given birth. But I have watched it twice. You know what the interesting thing about birth pains is? The farther you go, what happens to those pains? They get closer together. When's the last time you've turned on the news and got nothing but good news today? Does it seem like it's getting closer and closer and all these things are happening day after day, quicker and quicker? What does that mean? That means, y'all, listen, please hear my heart. Whatever we're going to do on this planet for Jesus has to happen today. We don't have time to wait till next month and next year. We've got to do it today. And you can't do it. And I can't do it on our own. That's why I'm calling on this church to pray for those who are far from God. Yeah. Donna, come. Oh, thank you, Jesus.
for the privilege of prayer. Forgive us, Jesus, for ignoring it. Forgive us, Jesus, for finding things that were more important. Forgive us, Lord, for the distractions. Here's how I want in this service. Listen, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, I strongly recommend him. I met him at 14 and I failed him, but he's never failed me. So if you're here and you don't know him, I'd strongly recommend you trust him for the forgiveness of your sins and that you would follow him the rest of your life. You can start that process today. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says if a man believes in his heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, he's, he, he's, he's saved. And that's what I would challenge you to do today. But I just wonder if, if maybe in the closing part of this service, uh, if we could just pray for those, those three things. And listen, I'm not telling you not to pray for your family. and I'm not telling you not to pray for your job and all that other stuff. But I'm going to tell you what this list will do that I gave you today. It'll keep your prayers from becoming so me-centered. How many ever are guilty of, of, of your prayers getting me-centered? God, help me, help mine, help my stuff. And, and listen, God wants you to cast your cares on Him. And I'm not telling you, but don't, don't we need to, to, to divert some of that energy to, to someplace outside of us? Yes, the answer is. So we're going to pray for those three things. And I would love for you to join me. Listen, if, if you want to pray out loud, you pray out loud. If you want to pray in your heart, you pray in your heart. If you want to pray kneeling at your seat, you do that. If you want to pray on one of these altars, if you want to stand, I don't care. Leonard Ravenhill in that video at the very beginning says, prayer's not about a position. It's about a disposition. I'm just going to challenge you to turn your heart toward Christ today. And as you can sneak away into a quiet place, even in this room today, let's talk to him. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of prayer. Thank you for allowing us to be in your house. Thank you for a group of people who would push aside a rainy Sunday morning and get to the house of God. So thank you for them. And God, we just want to confess that we have, we've fallen and we've strayed. We are prone to wander. So God, we come to you first of all and humble repentance, asking you to forgive us of our sin, of our shortcomings, of our, of our pride, of our greed, of our arrogance, of our lust. Just wash us and cleanse us. God, today I'm praying for the next generation. I'm praying for children. I'm praying for parents that are raising children. What a challenge. And God, they need your direction and they need your anointing and they need your blessing. God, I pray for students, elementary students and middle school and high school students. I've, God, I, I pray that in the midst of the, just the chaos that this world is in right now, kids are struggling with 
their purpose and their identity. God, I pray you'd use our church to be a source of grace and love and mercy and direction for our generation. God, I pray for the church. God, I pray that as never before, the body of Christ would stand up and hold high the banner of Christ. And I pray for our church. God, I pray for these leaders that have willingly volunteered to knock on hell's door, challenge the works of darkness with the gospel and with the light of Christ. (laughs) Help us be that to this community. God, in this place, together, we pray for those that are a stone's throw away from this room who are far from God. And God, somehow, would you anoint Life Point Church to be a voice of grace and more than anything else, a voice of the gospel of Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. My strength my portion deliver my shelter strong tower my very presence you are my shield my strength my portion deliver my shelter, strong tower, my very presence in time of Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. I'm sorry I kept you a little long. Have a great, great, great afternoon. God bless.